we're in a season where God's trying to speak to us. And as your pastor, I'm trying to make it a priority in your life that you are going to be the kind of person who can hear from God. I, I don't know why more people don't preach about that. I don't know why that's not a priority in the church. But some people say, well, God doesn't speak anymore. It's just the Word. Well, there's nothing in the Word about which way to go when a decision needs to be made. There's nothing specific in the Word when you need a specific answer to something. So God does still speak. It's not like, well, I wrote my Word and I'm done talking to those people. No, that would be ridiculous, right? He, my sheep know my voice. Not just his word, his voice. And it's, a, and, it's a, and it's something that we're struggling with. So we've been in this for a couple weeks now. But, to, but today I want to talk about desires, doors, and dreams. I, I'm indebted if, if you want to get his book. Mark Batterson has a new book out called Whispers. Great book. And he lists seven love languages God has. And there's probably a lot more, and he agrees. But seven, <coughs> including nature, which he didn't list, seven love languages. So I'm, I'm just going to steal them from him, give him credit for it. If you want more detail, you can get into the book. But I just, I just want to come out of, you know, somewhat of my own experiences. You know, I, I, I don't know what you're expecting out of your pastor. You know, you want me to preach a certain way. And we just got, you know, we just came out of Doxa and everything, and Doxa continues. But you know what? You know, of all the, of all the things I thought he would do, he, he's telling me to teach. I'd rather hoot and holler, but apparently he's just wanting me to teach. But listen, if you don't learn these things, how are you going to know how to do these things? Can I get an amen and amen? So I want you to get to the place where you can hear we need to pray. You ought to get up every morning and pray that, that pray that that from Psalms, Lord, dig ears for me. Okay. The first one is scripture, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time there because I think we understand that God speaks through his word. We all understand that there's two kinds of expressions of the word. There's the logos, which is basically, you know, the written word where you're, you're just reading the word. But then there's the rhema. R-H-E-M-A, the rhema uh, expression of the word. That's when, have you ever read a scripture a hundred times and suddenly you, re you read it for the hundred first time and it comes alive? It's like, oh, I didn't know it meant that. Or, oh, that scripture suddenly, even sometimes it's out of context. But that scripture suddenly just speaks to you. That's a rhema word right from God. That's God jumping out of the pages, okay? So the Scripture does that. I, I don't know. It's funny. I read just the other day that in, in the Jewish tradition, they believe that every Scripture, oh, I can't remember the exact numbers, but it said every Scripture has, I, I believe it was nine, either six or 9,000 interpretations. That's what they believe. That was like, the, like, the, like an onion. You just keep peeling every word, and there's like 6,000 ways of looking at that Scripture. Wow. So how many know, you know, somebody said, well, I read the, most of the Bible once. I'm so proud of you. But the Word of God is not like a novel where you read it and you're done. You stay in it. It's, it soaks through you constantly. 
It's how many know we need a constant cleansing of the word. Amen. Amen. So we get that rhema word. Have you ever just opened the book and said, God, I, I need a word from you? And you open the Bible and it jumps out at you. Did that ever happen to anybody? That's God speaking to you. Now, now listen, don't, don't get real random about that. Make sure it's God. I heard this story about a guy who was going to do that. He said, I need a word from you. And he opened up the book and he came up, came across this scripture. And Judas went out and hung himself. He said, oh, well, that's not from God. So he flipped it. He just ran, just flipped it to another. And he read and went right to the scripture. He looked down on it and it says, and you go do likewise. How do you know sometimes it's not God? Luke 4, 7 is an interesting scripture. I think it's the guiding scripture for most churches today. It says, therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Isn't that a great scripture? Some of you, some of you know what, what. If you'll worship me, all will be yours. That sounds like the kind of preaching we're hearing everywhere. That you can have whatever you want. God's a big old fat jolly Santa Claus. The problem with Luke 4, 7 is that the devil said it. I wonder if the devil's getting a lot of churches messed up because we got to the point where it's all about us and not about him. I'm only here for what I can get instead of what I can give. Wow. Be careful what Scripture, how you quote it, how you do it. So how many understand that reading Scripture can be a way of hearing God's voice? I don't need to spend a lot of time here. Let's go to desires, desires. Let's go to Psalms 37 and 4 in the Scripture. It said, delight. Say, delight. Delight yourself also in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of of your heart. Sometimes God is speaking through the very desires in your heart. Sometimes he'll send you places that you really want to go. Sometimes he'll use you in the area. Listen, if you're struggling with your calling, one of the questions you ought to ask is, what do I enjoy? <laughs> what, what makes my heart leap? Not again, you have to have a sanctified heart. Listen, you have to delight yourself in the Lord. If you delight yourself in sin, God's not going to answer those desires. I never forget the woman. This is a long time. I never forget the woman who came to me and said, I want so-and-so's husband. I said, God. I said, no, God's not in that. That's not how that works. She said, she quoted this scripture, but God said he'd give me the desires of my heart, and I want her husband. I said, you need to get your desires sanctified. That's an idol. That's lust. If you, you know, you have to, first of all, delight yourself in the Lord. I, I got to ask the question, what do you delight in? What do you take pleasure in? What's the thing you look forward to? Is it being with God or is that a drudgery? Oh, it'll get quieter before it's over. If you delight yourself in the Lord, He'll give you the desires of your heart. So if, you're, if, if the voice you're listening to is His voice more than any other voice, if He's the one you love more than anybody else and anything else, then those desires are pure, and, and He'll start giving you the joys, the pleasures, the desires of your heart. Can I get an amen? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Luke 6, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all these things will be added to 
you. Add it to you. Add it to you. But you got to seek first the kingdom of heaven. If you're seeking first your lust, I, I remember the story about you, you. You saw the movie Chariots of Fire, Eric Little, the runner who ran and, and, uh, and broke all kinds of speed records, and they made that movie about him, Chariots of Fire. And he said this quote. He said, God made me fast. When I run, I feel his pleasure. When I run, I feel his pleasure. Why? Because he made me fast. So when you start discovering how God made you, what mold are you in? What is it that makes you happy, makes, brings pleasure to your life? When you start, listen, it's not always about some super spiritual thing. Amen. If, if, you're, if, God's, if you love to work on wood and you're a carpenter and you just love to express yourself, well, God's going to use that. It's a duh moment. Duh you love to sing, if you love to teach, whatever, where where your pleasures are, that's where God's probably going to plug you in and use you for the kingdom of God. Find a way for your uh, pleasures to be a a way to serve Him. Someone said that there are, they did a study, they tried to study all the different human emotions. Guess how many they came up with? 412. It's no wonder some of us are medicated. 412. And 12 emotions. But basically, they can, all be, they can all be summarized in three. I'm either sad, glad, or mad. That sums up all 412. I'm either sad, glad, or mad. <laughs> and really, all those, it's not like glad is the only emotion God uses. God uses all the emotions. Are you with me? He, he, he uses all the, all the emotions. Amen. Listen, listen, if you're sad, if you're depressed in your calling, I, I question, I'd question your callings. Maybe you're in the right calling, but down the wrong road. I, I might have to go longer than 30 minutes. Are you okay? <clears throat> I, I, I want to teach this. Just coming out of my own experience, a lot of this. I, I remember early on when, yeah, listen, I've been... Uh, I, I've been saved uh, 45 years. I was saved before I was born. I was, I was born saved. <laughs> if I was, I really did some backsliding in between, I tell you. Um, saved 45 years, uh, but uh, almost 45 years. It'd be in November, it'd be 45 years. And of those 45 years, I've been pastoring 40, four years before. So I really don't have a whole lot of experience being a church member. Isn't that interesting? I was only a church member four years, four and a half years. And during that whole four and a half years, I really didn't have a good pastor. <laughs> I, I, none of them were role models. They all taught me what not to do. I'm serious. And in that four and a half years, I think we went through five or six pastors. None of them, none of them lasted more than a year or so. And, and it was just but, but I, I, remember, I remember my first pastor, about the only thing I remember from any of them. <laughs> it's terrible when the only thing you learn is what not to do. I was helping him out at the church one day, and he made a statement. He said, if I, if I didn't have joy in what I was doing, I would quit. And I backed up, and of course, I didn't dare say anything. But in, my, in, my, in myself, I said, what? we got to serve the Lord regardless of how we feel. That old religious spirit rose up in me. Sometimes you just got to grit your teeth and just go. I said, what kind of pastor is this who quits just because he's not enjoying what he's doing? Oh, oh, I got all kinds of Pharisee in me. 
That's a religious spirit that wants to control and just, uh, it's all hard and rough. And, uh, uh. Years later, I figured out there is joy in serving him. It doesn't mean you're not going to go through hard times, but even in the hard times, there's joy. Check yourself out. God will speak through that joy. God will speak. Amen. Because where your joy is, many times, that's where he's taking you. Now, again, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that he's always going to take you down the easy path. But there's joy in the most difficult things if that's where your pleasure is. So there's sad and, and glad kind of takes care of itself. But then there's mad, too. I mean, look at, look at Jesus. But by the way, we talk about sad. Remember when Nehemiah and Ezra, when God began to deal with them, they said the temple, the walls of Jerusalem are burnt down, and, and he's weeping and he's crying and he's sad. Why was he sad? Because something God cared about wasn't being taken care of. And the king noticed his sadness, and because of that sadness, he said, well, yeah, we, we need to rebuild the wall. Uh, pagan king, we need to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Get, and he said, who can I get to do that? The one who was sad about it. God will use what you're burdened in, for, and he'll speak through that. Does that make sense? Sometimes we have righteous indignation, and we get a Jesus moment where we want to turn tables over. So sad, glad, and mad, God uses all those. Are we good? Are we, are we good? Say amen. Here's the thing about emotions. I'll say it real quick. Emotions are great servants, but they're terrible masters. And, and, if, you, and if you allow your, your emotions to control you, you're going to have problems. But if you understand that your emotions can serve you, that being sad, glad, and mad are all expressions of God's will in your life. Can I get an Amen. So let's talk about doors. God will use desires. He'll speak through that. He'll also speak through doors. Let's go to a good example of that, Acts chapter 16, and uh, where uh, Paul is figuring out which direction to go. He said, now when they had gone through uh, Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden, forbidden by the Holy Spirit, a door closed by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. They were in Turkey. Do you all know where Turkey is? They were in what's now Turkey, and they were going into Asia, going east. And they had come to uh, Mycenae. They tried to go into Bithynia, going east, but the Spirit did not permit them. Mm -hmm. So passing by Mycenae, they came to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us, okay? So, hang on. So, you see what happened. He's, he's figuring just, in, just it made sense to keep going east with the gospel, and the Lord closed the door. How many have ever had God close a door? We're not always happy with the door being closed. We think we're being hindered when God's trying to tell us there's a better way. So sometimes he will close the door, but I believe that old saying, if he closes, he never closes the door until he opens the door. So instead of going east, they go west. You know what happened? They crossed across there, where it's now Constantinople, that little thing that leads from Turkey into Europe, and they go into a place called Philippi. Only mistake in the Bible, they mispronounced my name. I'll talk to God when we get there. They go to Philippi, and a woman named Lydia becomes the first convert in Europe. 
Wow. How about that? A little, little plaque in her mansion. <laughs> right? She's got this big old plaque in her mansion. First convert in Europe. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's cool. She's the an- your ancestor spiritually. Amen. So there, there it is. So now because of that, because of that move, maybe that's why you're saved today. Maybe that's why the United States is, is a Christian country and China isn't. I don't know. But you see what I'm saying? He closes one door. He opens another door. Let me just throw some other. 1 Corinthians 16, 9. Let's go through these quick. For a great and effectual what? Door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. By the way, just because God opens a door doesn't mean there aren't lions, tigers, and bears behind it. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 12. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord, right? Colossians chapter 4, verse 3. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to preach the mystery of Christ for which I also am in chains. So, so he's familiar with, with doors, doors that open, doors that close. And really what we're talking about here are signs. How many believe in signs and wonders? So in the last day, it said, these signs shall follow. Uh, by the way, signs follow you. Don't run after signs, but they will follow you. So signs follow believers. And there are signs, this door closes, this one opens. How many have ever had a sign from God? What? That's it? How many have ever had a sign from God? Okay, there you are. There you are. If you're falling asleep, just let me know. A snore will help. I know I'm losing you. Signs and wonders. I think one of the best examples was when we went into Doxa. And I've had signs all through my life, and it's, it's, it's a major way God speaks to me. And He'll just show you things. Um, uh, and, 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 but, but here's the thing. A lot of times the signs follow. In other words, signs are used more often to confirm what you already know. But God will speak through signs. For instance, the whole thing with Doxa, it was just, it was just and here, here's, how, here's how most things start when God's trying to speak to you. Most of the time, it starts as just a spontaneous thought in your head. They call it a wild hair. It's spontaneous. It's not planned. It's not logical. It's not organized. It's just, oh, wow. And people tell me that. I said, I, said I, I, I don't know where this is coming from, but I'm thinking, you need to know where that's coming from. But uh, but anyway, you get these, listen, God's been speaking to you a lot more than you know. And, and you will get these, you will get these uh, spontaneous thoughts, usually when you get quiet. But it can happen anytime. So you get these spontaneous thoughts. And Doxa was one of those. that We, we need to do a, like a Ruach-like conference right here, right here in Ohio. We, we need to do, and, and we didn't know what to call it, but it's just something God, you know, it's just, just a stray thought. I wasn't even sure it was God, but... It's just one of those th- doing, and then, then people start saying, hey, we need, yeah, th- th- you know, God's, God's saying something like that to me too, and you begin, to, you begin to think, well, and my first thought is, I don't know a soul that could help me with this. I, I don't know one preacher that I would call, well, I know a couple, but they wouldn't come, and if they did, I couldn't afford them, so, I mean, I mean obviously, I'll, you know, T.D. Jakes, hey, T.D., can you come, and you got 20000 No, I'll see you later, all right, bye. So, so you know, I, you know, I, I mean, I knew. So I'm not that well connected. I'm not, you know, one of these. Anyway, I said, God, who? And then we ended up with nine speakers. 
except for my son, I, don't, I really didn't know any of them. Eight of the nine, I didn't know at all. I could sit here for the next half hour and tell you nine different or eight different stories of how God connected me to each one of those speakers. And every story you'd go, wow, that was God. It wasn't like, let me find eight friends, right? I'll invite those friends over and they'll invite me to their church and we'll all be happy. So God just supernaturally. And then, and then I, I started adding it up. I, I thought, oh, oh, my God, what have I done? I mean, so, so God, God began to show signs as, as he would connect me to these speakers. And one, one would connect me to another, and this would happen, and that would happen, and just supernaturally. And I think, oh, oh, there's a sign. Oh, there's a sign. Oh, there's a, I didn't have one confirmation. I had like a dozen confirmations. It just kept confirming. And then when we began to, began to figure this kind of out a little bit, trying to lay it out, suddenly I realized, you know what, I'm going to have to pay for this. But you need to hear this. He didn't give me the signs all before I made the decision. He put a desire in my heart. We started following the desire. Door opened here and door opened there. And we had to keep going through the doors. Walking by faith, not by... But doesn't it often start as a desire? Start with the Lord whispering. Sometimes it starts with a dream or something else, or a vision. We'll get into that in a minute. But it all starts with a sign. Here's some of the here's signs. How do I know it's a sign from God? Uh, there's a couple things. One, one, first of all, when you get a sign from God, a lot of times you get, you, you, you get goosebumps. I call it the goosebump test. When it's God, you're like, oh, that couldn't have been anything else. God just did this, and this is a sign, Right? Holy Ghost goosebumps. So that's one of the tests. Another one is the peace test. You have that sense. You just have that sense of you don't know where you're going or how you're going to do it, but you just, I'm at peace. Sometimes I don't know if it's yes, no, maybe, but if it's peace, I'm okay. I don't have to figure it out. If there's peace, I know it'll be okay. Another test is wise counsel. In the company of counsel, you need to talk to other people. And let's talk about that. Let's, let's see if God will speak through others. Here's another test. If it's crazy, it's probably God. God's not going to give you some big thing that's easy, that everyone else is doing. If it's God, it's usually weird. It's out there. Oh, Lord, what have I just released? Release the hounds. Signs and wonders. Let's get into dreams. How many are still here? I won't be long. Hang in there. A dream can come by day or night. They come by day. It's usually called a vision. They usually come, you know, you got the right brain and the left brain. And the left brain is, yeah, L for, yeah, left logic. The left brain is the logical side. And the right brain is the more imagination side. And that's why God often speaks when you're quiet. When you're not trying to figure it all out and compute it all and trying to have a plan, you're trying to control everything. and So when, when you can get the left side of your brain to just shut down, and that's why God speaks through dreams so often. Some of you, He cannot speak to you until He knocks you out. The only way He can speak to you and get you quiet and get your mind off of all the other things is to put you to sleep. So if, you, if God uses you with dreams, you may want to look into that. <laughs> Because God can speak through visions as well. During the day, you can just see something. I don't know if any of you have ever had a vision. 
where you just, you, I call them Holy Ghost pictures, where you're just walking along and, and the Lord just starts putting, just starts running a movie in front of you. Be careful, you like, you run into walls sometimes when you do that. <clears throat> but you just begin to see pictures. You just begin to, it just, wow, okay, there it is. It's like, it's like uh, Isaiah, when King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. So something had to get out of the way. Sometimes things have to get out of the way before you can get quiet enough to hear from God. Elijah heard from God. Uh, 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 he said he wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the, in the storm, in the wind. He wasn't in the fire. He was in the still, small voice. He had God in the fire, killed 600 prophets. But, that didn't, but then one woman... <laughs> One woman got him so, dis- so discouraged and depressed. He goes hiding in a cave. He's depressed. He's defeated. You know, if I can kill 600 prophets, why am I afraid of one woman? <laughs> I'm not going to answer that question. All the husbands are like, yeah. <laughs> it was in the still, small voice where he saw where he began to hear from God. A good example of this, of, of dreams. Remember Peter, when he was on the rooftop, and he's napping, and he sees a vision. God drops this, this pic- picnic blanket full of illegal food. Ham hocks, bacon, mm-hmm, pork sausage, <laughs> Rump roast, is that one of them? I don't know. But he, he drops all this, and he says, Peter, rise and eat. <laughs> Peter was a devout Jew. He says, I ain't doing that. This is the devil for sure. This is the devil. This is, he's just tempting me to see him do this. No, Peter, this is the Lord. I want you to just rise and eat. Oh, my God. Y'all, y'all don't understand how transforming this is. I mean, for Peter to do this, this, this is like, he was like a, like a, like he was like a vegetarian in, in a Brazilian steakhouse. <laughs> Nothing there to eat. <laughs> I thought that joke would go over better, I guess. <laughs> so, so there's lessons here. First of all, if God's going to speak to you, it's not going to contradict Scripture. So God had to show him that, he said, that was Old Testament, but now you realize that you are the pork. You don't get it. He was telling Peter, the gospel's not just to Jews. It's to the pork eaters. And you're going to have to mix and mingle with those Gentiles. Ooh, ooh. No good Jew would fellowship with a Gentile, even Christians at that time. Even Christians, all the Christians were Jews, and most of them lived in Jerusalem. All of a sudden, we got to go fellowship with people like you. Ew. Not me, Lord. Not me, Lord. At the same time, Cornelius is getting a vision, and the two of them come together. Amen. Isn't that neat how God will give you a dream and give you a dream, and it's, it's the same dream, and God just puts everything together, but it'll never contradict Scripture, right? Number two, it usually confronts the status quo. <laughs> usually when God is giving you something, it's going against something. It's wanting to change something. Can I get an amen there? 
And number three, the meaning may not always be known right away. So you may not understand it at first. That's why you need to ledger. You need to write things down. You need, it needs to be a two-way ledger. In other words, you need to write down what you think you hear from. Everything you think you hear, you ought to write down. Just write it all down. Just whatever weird thoughts come in, just write it down. Because sometimes what's weird is really God, and if you, if you dismiss it right away, you're missing the voice of God. You need to write it down. When you wake up in the morning, you have a dream, write it down. Get the, get, have a pad of paper right at your bed and start writing things down. You say, well, I don't know if it's from God or not. I don't care. Write it down. Because sometimes everything comes in pieces. God's revelation is not complete. As it were, it comes like a pieces of a puzzle. So you need to remember something he told you six months ago and put that together with something he's speaking now, and the whole thing comes together. Does that make sense? Don't ask me why God does it that way, but he does. So the meaning may not be known right away. So write down everything you're hearing and write down everything you're saying. It's a two-way journal. Number four, um, and you must be willing to promote God's reputation, not yours. This really set Peter back with the rest of the Jews. They're like, Peter, Peter, too much pizza, right? Did you have pepperoni on it, Peter? <laughs> what, what's, you know, what, what did you do wrong here? And, and it set Peter back. And Peter had problems with it even later. Remember, they had that little fellowship dinner, and he was sitting with the Jews and wouldn't sit with the Gentiles, and Paul rebuked them, right? Oh, y'all don't know your Bible. Yeah, that happened. Paul had to rebuke Peter. Peter, he said, Peter, come on. Come over here and sit with these people. That's a rebuke a lot of us could get. We always want to sit where we're comfortable. Ministry will always put you where you're not comfortable. You may have to sit at a whole different table. You might have to eat food you've never heard of before. Rule number one of missionary work, right? Eat what's put before you. Oh, God, help us. Yeah, a vegetarian in a Brazilian steakhouse. That's what it was. <laughs> Let me close with this. Next week we'll get into the other three. It'll be seven altogether. When Solomon asked for wisdom, remember that? He could have asked for anything in the world. Anything in the world. He asked for wisdom. But when you, when you dig into that scripture, 1 Kings chapter 3, when you dig into that scripture, what he really asked God for was a listening or a discerning heart. Give me an ear that I can hear. And God said, because you asked for that, I'll give you all the other stuff that you didn't ask for. Wealth, fame, authority, 700 wives. Uh, that was a curse. You can see the <laughs> scriptures for yourself. Why, Solomon, why? <laughs> That's for, verse... 11, because you didn't ask for riches, right? Behold, I've done according to your words. I've given you a wise and understanding heart. Wow. Next verse says, I don't know where that, forget that one. It's supposed to be 1 Kings, the next chapter. My fault, my fault. Chapter 4, verse 21. I want you to stand with me, and I want you to ask God. I want you to ask God for a hearing heart. I'm so serious about this. I want this entire church to just quit everything they're doing and just focus on one thing this week, hearing God. I mean, I'm not saying stop ministry, but I'm just saying your number one priority, you have a homework assignment. Your number one priority is to hear God. 